Welcome to the Nordonia Hills Branch Library podcast on nonfiction. A discussion of nonfiction specifically and reading generally. This month's podcast, The Wrecking Crew. In the earlier days of rock and roll, recording was fragmented into a more geographically based production format, not so focused on the coasts as much as individual centers of recording. These recording centers included New York and Los Angeles, but also Philadelphia, Detroit, Memphis, Nashville, and even more remote regional locations such as Cleveland, Chicago, and Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Now, while there were individual artists and bands that recorded in these various geographic locations, the producers and the record companies that made these records and songs would often use studio musicians, also known as session musicians, to play the instruments on the songs. These individual locales had artists and groups that would play together and were the go-to professionals that the record labels would use to play. These groups included the legendary Funk Brothers playing for Motown, the Muscle Shoals Rhythm Section and Booker T and the MGs, MFSB in Philadelphia, the Memphis Boys, and Nashville's A-Team. Figuratively standing above all of them were Los Angeles's contribution to session work, the Wrecking Crew. The Wrecking Crew is a group of about two dozen studio musicians, each at the top of their craft, performing on thousands of songs by hundreds of artists. This month, we'll look at the book that tells the story of this legendary group of musicians, The Wrecking Crew, by Kent Hartman. The Wrecking Crew's name was coined by drummer Hal Blaine, the acknowledged leader and foundation of the group. The crew was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame under the category of Sidemen. The backbone of this story are the individual life stories of the major members of the Wrecking Crew. Drummer Hal Blaine, guitarist Glenn Campbell, the most recognized member of the group, who went on to the most impressive solo career afterwards. Guitarist Carol Kay, guitarist and keyboardist Larry Nectel, pianist Michelle Rubini, guitarist Tommy Tedesco, and others. Their stories are told both individually and as a group, how they related to each other, and with the various musical groups, producers, songwriters, and artists that they worked with. As part of the individual life stories, you'll learn, for example, that Hal Blaine was actually present at the Hartford Circus Fire in July of 1944, when 167 people lost their lives and over 700 people were injured. He actually went there that day to hear the circus band and to watch the drummer specifically. He wound up assisting with carrying wounded circus goers for medical attention. Blaine went on to be a drummer of legendary status, playing on no less than 40 number one songs and over 150 top 10 hits, far and away the most of any drummer in recorded music history. Carol Kay, who was born Carol Smith, hailed from Washington State. She was electrified when she listened to a live Dixieland band performance at age five. This convinced her that a musician's life was for her. She went on to be a legendary guitarist, one of the top of the list in terms of quality guitar playing in the 60s and 70s. This was no mean feat for a woman. She held her ground and more so with the rest of the members of the Wrecking Crew. Tommy Tedesco hailed from Niagara Falls, New York. Growing up as a working class kid, he worked hard at his craft and became one of the major guitar players with the Wrecking Crew. Glenn Campbell hailed from a backwoods, poverty-filled upbringing in rural Arkansas. He leapt at the chance to tour the country with his uncle, who was also a musician, when he was only 13. 
Campbell went on to be a regular studio guitar player with the Wrecking Crew and also performed with the Beach Boys as a member. Larry Nechtel joined the Wrecking Crew and proved himself to be a very versatile musician. He played both guitar and keyboards. His range was evidenced by three of the jobs that he took on, including the organ player for the Beach Boys song Good Vibrations, the bass guitar player for The Doors' Light My Fire, and the piano player for Johnny Rivers' Rockin' Pneumonia and Boogie Woogie Flu. These and more individual stories are told throughout the narrative of the book, along with a chronological narrative of the group itself that follows the Wrecking Crew from its early days of the 1960s, when it was taking on the established session musicians that were already there in Los Angeles, through its growth and eventual domination in the later 60s and the early 70s, when it worked for so many groups and artists. Here's the Wrecking Crew, without the vocals, on the number one hit, I Get Around, by the Beach Boys. the full version of the song with the vocals added. The crew became the favorite of certain producers that are now legendary names in rock and roll, people like Phil Spector and the Beach Boys genius Brian Wilson. In addition to the number of songs that they played on, what is also remarkable is the breadth of styles that they played within. They played on Frank Sinatra songs and Dean Martin songs, such as Strangers in the Night and Everybody Loves Somebody. They backed Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass and their signature 60s sound of trumpets and trombones. They played on the psychedelic sounds of the groups such as The Doors, and also some of the pop groups, including Sonny and Cher and The Fifth Dimension, The Association, and Gary Puckett and the Union Gap. And they ventured into the folk rock sounds of groups such as The Birds, The Mamas and the Papas, and artists such as Barry Maguire. They even played a few songs supporting Elvis Presley, including A Little Less Conversation and Viva Las Vegas. The anecdotes about these songs and sessions that are told in this book are quite remarkable and keep the narrative moving along. Additionally, you get a look at how the careers of these individuals progressed, focusing especially on Blaine, Kay, and Campbell. You also hear stories of some of the groups and the producers that interact with the crew, as well as the members of the band that they worked for. You don't just get the positive in this book, but also the negative, including how some groups resented the fact that studio musicians are being used for what they consider to be their songs to play. I'll share a couple stories from the book here to pass along its flavor. One of the stories features Brian Wilson, a founding member and the creative force behind the Beach Boys. One Sunday, he needed someone to play for him on a recording session that he was doing down at Western Studios in L.A. He called Billy Strange, a member of the crew, who was then living in Hollywood, 
and asked him if he could come down and record a guitar section for his new song. Billy said he couldn't because he had his son with him that day. Brian said, no problem, go ahead and bring the kid down. So they drove down to the studio, showed up, and Brian explained he needed an electric 12-string guitar solo, if Billy could arrange to do that for the song. Billy said, Brian, that's fine, but I don't own an electric 12-string guitar. Brian got on the phone with the Music City store in Hollywood, which is closed on Sundays in the 60s, but pretty soon two delivery guys showed up at the back door of the studio with a brand new electric 12-string guitar and an amplifier. Brian told Billy what he wanted. Billy laid down the track in just one take, and Brian was delighted. Eventually, that guitar solo went into the song Sloop John B., Billy got up with his son to leave the studio, and Brian said, don't forget to take your guitar and amplifier with you. That was his gift for coming down to the studio on Sunday. Wilson also paid him for the time and thanked him for coming out and for all the trouble. The book also highlights the creativity and the genius of the members of the Wrecking Crew. Producers that were stumped, or arrangers or songwriters who couldn't figure out how to get around a hurdle or over an obstacle within the song would turn to members of the crew for assistance. Carol Kay was famous for her ability to craft new bass lines and guitar riffs out of thin air whenever a producer or an arranger wasn't getting the sound that he was looking for. Blaine was also someone who excelled at creativity when it came down to improvisation in music. One time Dean Martin was laying down the song Houston, and Blaine was playing the drumming as directed. And the song was right, but he himself felt that something was missing. So later on, Blaine picked up a glass ashtray that was laying around the studio and with the help of a recording engineer, laid down a track of him hitting this ashtray with a drumstick and created a distinctive western sound that he felt the song needed. The producer and Dean Martin both loved it, and it's on the song if you listen to it today. Another time, Blaine was working on the song Bridge Over Troubled Water by Simon and Garfunkel. And during the morning recording session, Paul Simon was looking for something that was just missing from the percussion elements of the song. At the lunch break, Hal Blaine went home to his house and brought back some tire chains that he had for his car. That afternoon, he was recorded hitting the tire chains on the floor of the studio next door with both studio doors open. You can hear that here in this section of the song, Bridge Over Troubled Water. of the iconic songs of the 1960s and 70s were backed and played by the Wrecking Crew, and this book is a story of that unbelievable time in music. As the 1970s progressed, the Wrecking Crew was not used as much, as musicians really started to be more forthright in their production and their playing styles, and became skilled enough to record on their own. It also became more of a requirement when record labels would sign musicians that they had the ability to play their instruments with competence and skill. The musicians of the Wrecking Crew continued their careers as studio musicians, playing various side jobs and recording assignments, but no longer worked together as the group being used 
altogether by producers or arrangers. But during the golden age of The Wrecking Crew, this book highlights the wonderful vignettes and anecdotes, the stories of the individual players, as well as the legendary musicians that they played with. One further example that I'll share with you here is that it's hard to believe that the soaring harmonies of the Mamas and the Papas were equaled by the musical craft of The Wrecking Crew. However, here's their song, and every musician that's playing on it is a member of The Wrecking Crew. All the leaves are It is impossible to write the history of rock and roll without including this legendary group of musicians. We hope you check out The Wrecking Crew by Kent Hartman. Join us again next month for another look at the nonfiction reads. Until then, we'll be seeing you at your Nordonia Hills Branch Library. Thanks for listening.